The 19th chapter of John. As you're finding your place, uh, let me uh, give you a little bit of uh, background here on what's going on. Uh, it's obvious if you read this passage that, uh, that we're dealing with the, the trial, the arrest, the crucifixion uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I don't know why John chose to record uh, what he did. I told you last uh, week as we looked uh, at Jesus in front of Pilate last week uh, that he had already uh, been tried before the Sanhedrin uh, and they had decided uh, that he should die, uh, but they did not have that authority uh, as Israel, uh, Judea, was under uh, Roman occupation. And so uh, we had the text last week of Pilate uh, more or less interviewing uh, his accusers. Um, and now, beginning in verse ni- chapter 19, uh, what we again don't have uh, is that uh, in between the end of chapter 18 and chapter 19 uh, is that uh, Pilate uh, tried his best to get out uh, of... Um, harm's way, I guess you'd say. Uh, He's already declared that he doesn't see any fault uh, in Jesus, that he is innocent. Uh, And so he sends him uh, back to Herod. Uh, Herod uh, passes the buck and sends him back to Pilate. Uh, And so we pick up in chapter uh, 19 this morning uh, with Jesus back uh, in front uh, of Pilate. Uh, and here we're going to look at the text that, uh, that many of us are, are familiar with uh, when it comes to the story uh, of the crucifixion. And that is uh, the various uh, beatings and assault uh, that was uh, laid uh, on uh, on Jesus uh, at this time. And as I look at that, uh, I see... Uh, again, uh, a horrible story. Uh, it is, uh, it is a, a tear-jerking uh, story. As I mentioned uh, last week, I believe, uh, those who saw the movie The Passion of the Christ, uh, and if you saw that in the theaters, there were people who literally uh, would have to get up and walk out. They couldn't stand uh, to see uh, the uh, the portrayal uh, of the uh, the abuse that Jesus took, there were uh, you know people sitting in the theater, uh, tears running down their face. We watched it together uh, here, and there were people again uh, who who left the sanctuary. There were people uh, sitting in the sanctuary just squalling like babies. It uh, it was a, a horrible uh, scene, and uh, the thing that kept running through my mind as I watched that uh, was that's just a Hollywood portrayal. Uh, that's not even the the magnitude. And uh, that guy, uh, well, I, I, I've read that uh, after portraying Jesus and going. Uh, through even the portrayal, uh, he went home with uh, bruises and marks on his body, uh, but he did go home. Uh, and uh, the beatings and the, and the abuse that Jesus Christ took uh, are, I think, beyond 
Uh, I, I know they're beyond my ability uh, to describe, and even if I could describe them, uh, I think they're beyond your ability to comprehend. Uh, I don't think you and I have any, uh, any possible uh, way of comprehending uh, the, the magnitude uh, of the abuse that Jesus took uh, in a matter of just a few hours. This wasn't spread out uh, over time. This was in a matter of just a few hours that he was uh, beaten and abused as, uh, as no one before or since. Uh, and as I looked at this, uh, very simple message this morning. Uh, I'm just going to take my point straight from uh, the Word uh, of God here. Uh, as I looked at that and I saw the abuse uh, that Jesus took, uh, I, I looked at him and I realized as I think about that, uh, while today... We may not see Christ uh, being abused and, uh, and seeing him under a crown of thorns. Uh, we see the same uh, mindset uh, in people today uh, in their rejection. Uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, and so this morning as we, uh, as we look at this uh, text, I just want you to consider uh, your uh, and uh, our culture's attitude uh, towards Jesus and uh, their rejection uh, their, or their acceptance in some cases uh, of Jesus Christ. And so uh, as we pick up again, Jesus is back uh, in front of Pilate uh, and it says, is that uh, Pilate took Jesus and scourged him or, or flogged him. Uh, now, let me take just a moment uh, and describe for you uh, as, as, um, as best I can uh, exactly uh, what that would look like. It was a, uh, a common Roman uh, punishment. Uh, it was a common Roman uh, method. What, uh, one, of the, one of the main purposes uh, of Scourging was uh, so uh, again. If you remember in the previous chapter, uh, when uh, Pilate uh, interrogated Jesus, uh, he came away saying, uh, "I don't find any fault uh, in this man." But the Jews insisted uh, that he be executed, uh, and so the idea uh, behind a scourging in many cases uh, was not as much the idea uh, that we will punish uh, the 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 accused as we will beat a confession out of them. Uh, we will beat them to the point uh, where they will confess to something, uh, where they will say something. Uh, this form of, a, uh, of punishment, this form uh, of abuse was so uh, brutal uh, that it was forbidden, it was illegal uh, to actually use this on a Roman citizen. Uh, if you remember... Uh, in the New Testament on one occasion uh, when Paul was being uh, interrogated by uh, the Roman government, he called out, uh, called them on the fact that I'm a Roman citizen. Uh, and so uh, the Romans had uh, a set of laws for Romans, uh, and then they had a set of laws uh, for uh, the people uh, who were under their uh, oppression. Uh, and so they wouldn't use this on uh, on. Um, 
uh, on any or a Roman citizen, but uh, they would take uh, the accused and uh, in some form or fashion, uh, they would take the accused and either uh, take, say, a, a large rock and, uh, and stretch the person uh, over the rock and, uh, and, stretch it and anchor their arms and legs and stretch them out uh, tightly where they uh, really couldn't move and uh, couldn't wiggle. And, uh, you know, if you've ever, uh, you know, this is a poor, poor analogy, I realize, uh, but those of you who grew up in a home uh, where they didn't mind uh, corporal punishment, uh, you know, when you, when you were uh, getting a spanking, uh, you know, sometimes you try to wiggle and, and get to a spot that wasn't tender. Uh, you know, and so they would strap them down where they, they couldn't move, they couldn't get any relief, and, uh, and they would stretch them out, and also by stretching them out, uh, it made it, um, uh, it made the, the, the punishment uh, far worse because, and, and I'm sure many of you uh, have heard this or uh, seen this portrayed again uh, on television, uh, they would take uh, a, a leather strap that had been uh, cut into uh, into various uh, you know many not just one whip but uh, they would take a leather strap uh, and it would be cut uh, into uh, various uh, strips uh, so that there were numerous uh, places. Then uh, ordinarily on the end of those strips uh, they would place uh, lead or something to weigh down uh, that strip to give it some extra uh, oomph, uh, if you will. And, and then into the strips themselves, uh, they would put pieces of metal, uh, pieces of bone. Uh, they would then uh, take and, and sharpen the metal uh, and the bone. And they would take that person, uh, and while they were stretched out uh, in, in that position, sometimes they'd be stretched out flat on the ground or across a, a, a stump or across a rock, uh, but they would be anchored down, and, and then a, a Roman soldier uh, would take that scourge uh, and come down across the back uh, of the accused and the, the lead weights uh, as they would hit. Uh, many times uh, the first uh, blow would, would knock the, the breath out of the person, uh, but as they would beat them, uh, as they would hit, then they would take and, and yank back uh, the, the scourge so that where the bones, the metal, uh, had pierced the skin, that it would rip open uh, their flesh. Many times uh, in scourging, the, uh, the internal organs would end up uh, being uh, exposed. Many uh, who were scourged, never, uh, they never got to the cross. They would die uh, under, the, uh, under the assault uh, of the scourge. And uh, another thing about Roman scourging, Jews uh, in their law had uh, a law that uh, 40 lashes, were uh, the maximum number. There were no maximum number uh, of lashes in a Roman scourging. They could literally uh, beat you to death. Uh, sometimes they would use uh, that. Sometimes they would just use uh, large sticks with uh, items put in it uh, to, to beat the person with. Uh, but again, many times the idea uh, was not that the scourging was the punishment itself, uh, but that the scourging... Uh, 
was a way uh, to perhaps uh, cause the person uh, to confess to something uh, that they didn't do to get the scourging to stop, or worse, uh, that they would beat them, uh, began to scourge that person, and that that person might uh, lash out and say something uh, about Caesar, or say something about Rome, and even though they may have been charged uh, with, with, with this crime over here, uh, when they said something uh, negative, uh, cursed the name of Caesar uh, because of their beating, now they were guilty of that, uh, and everybody had heard it, so now they would be punished uh, for that. And so the beating many times wasn't the punishment, the beating was a way... Uh, to uh, to get them, convict them uh, of, of something else uh, that they might say during uh, the scourging. Uh, and so Pilate subjected uh, Jesus uh, to this method, even though in the, the end of chapter 18, he had already said, I don't find any fault uh, with this man. Uh, scripture makes it clear as well uh, that part of Pilate's motivation, uh, again, obviously was not uh, to judge Jesus Christ, to punish Jesus Christ. Uh, again, he, he said, I find no fault in Jesus, but he subjects Jesus to this scourging, to this, uh, to this horrible, uh, brutal form uh, of punishment, simply to satisfy uh, the Jews, uh, to get them maybe, uh, you know, to say, okay, that's good enough. Uh, you beat him almost to death. That's good enough. But we see that the Jews refused even to accept that uh, as, uh, as enough. They wanted him crucified. Well, here's my point of that. Uh, while we look at that beating and we, uh, we look at that, and say, what a, a horrendous uh, punishment. I, I don't think, uh, again, I can't uh, even, even uh, adequately begin to describe uh, the, the nature of scourging. Uh, I, I can't, you, you can't uh, understand. You and I, uh, I don't think, I hope you haven't, uh, you know, uh, have ever seen anything uh, remotely close uh, to what a, uh, a scourging uh, would look like. But here's what I think. Uh, is the key thing that, uh, that you and I need to take away uh, this morning uh, from, uh, from this idea of Pilate sentencing a man who just a few verses prior in chapter 18 said, I find no fault in this man. Now, let's send him out and scourge him and beat him almost to death. Let's beat him beyond recognition. Can I submit to you this morning that what we have in these few verses is the crowning uh, example of human hypocrisy. The crowning example of, of human hypocrisy. A man who, within, within just a moment or two, uh, saying, I find no fault in this man, turns around and sentences him to one of the most brutal uh, forms of punishment humanly possible. You talk about a man who was a compromiser. A man who was 
trying to compromise. He wanted to play the middle of the road. He wanted to satisfy the Jews, but he, he, he needed to do something uh, that would quiet the Jews. And he wanted, you know, listen, we go back to the previous chapter. Look at him in the previous chapter. Here we have him saying, listen, I, ordinarily at the Passover, I, I release a, a prisoner to you. And so let's do this. I give you a choice between uh, Jesus and Barabbas. Once again, compromise. Let's meet in the middle. Well, let, let's, uh, well, let's, let's just meet uh, in the middle somewhere. So he comes forward. When that doesn't work, he tries another offer. And, and he says to him, he says, I tell you what, I don't really want to execute him, but I'll beat him to within inches of death. Compromise. We may not live in a world where we scourge Jesus Christ with leather and bone and metal and canes. We may not strap him across a rock and beat the daylights out of him. But can I suggest to you today that when Jesus Christ sits on his throne and he sees believers who are compromising with the world, who are coming in to church on Sunday and singing, Oh, how I love Jesus, and going out on Monday and living like they've never heard of him, that that breaks his heart as much as any scourging ever did. Listen. We we live in a world today where it is more necessary that the church not vary, not compromise in any shape nor form when it comes to the Word of God. We, We live in a day and an age where we're being called on to compromise more than we ever have. I've already shared with you, uh, I was talking about it uh, a moment ago with, uh, with, with Chloe, uh, that we, you know, I've, I've told you, I will not, and I'm saying this with, uh, with the, the city cameras red on top, I'm saying this on the internet for anybody who wants to see it, we will not. As long as my name is on one side of the sign out there. That's that's all I get. I'm only half your pastor. I'm I'm only on one side. I don't even know. I'm on that side of the pastor, the church, the sign. As long as my name is on part of the sign out there, we will not call off church again because the government said so. We may decide it's in our best interest. We may decide that we've got some cases in our church, whatever we may. But Governor Cooper, hear me loud. i got friends in the Sheriff's Department. I think they'll feed me. And if they don't, it won't kill me for a while. Listen, it is time for the church, and it's going to get more important, I think, every day till Jesus comes that the church of Jesus Christ stand firm on the Word of God. Amen. And to do that, can I, can I say something to me? wasn't planning where I was planning on going, but we can't stand firm on something we don't know. 
We need to become students of the Word of God. We need to know what it is we're standing on and standing for. We only do that by... And listen, you need to be in church. You need to be worshiping. You need to be in this time uh, online watching this way. However you need to do that uh, in this time. But I want to tell you something. If all the knowledge of the Word of God is what you're gaining by the, the, the brief amount of time you spend in church, you are spiritually... Food insecure, to use the phrase they use today. If we're going to stand firm, we got to know what it is we're standing firm on. See, Pilate was, was compromising and trying uh, to make everybody happy. He was trying to keep, uh, you know, he was trying to keep his Roman superiors satisfied. He was trying to keep the Sanhedrin and the Jews satisfied. I want to tell you something. You can't keep Rome and the Sanhedrin satisfied. You can't keep the world and God satisfied today. It won't happen. You, as, as, as Joshua said, as we go back in the Old Testament, it's time that the child of God chooses who he's going to serve whether God or mammon. You cannot walk the middle of the road anymore. You cannot. Pilate tried to do that, and he failed miserably. He failed miserably. The scourging. Then I want you to notice the second thing that goes on in these verses. Not only the scourging, but look, the words are right there for you. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and arraigned him in a purple robe. And they came to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Not only did they scourge him, but they scorned him. Not only did they scourge him, but they scorned him. You know, again, this is something that you and I today... I, I, I don't know, if you've ever picked blackberries or run in the woods, you've been in, in, in the bars and, and maybe some thorns. We have here a, a, a fake crown of thorns that we use at Easter for decoration. I cannot tell you how many times in 26 years I have grabbed that thing, picked that thing up as carefully as I possibly could and ended up with my fingers bleeding. And it's fake. There is a particular bush in the family of the palm tree that if that happened to be the, the, the bush that this soldier got this vine from, that it is quite common for the thorns on that vine to be as much as an inch long. Have you ever bumped your head? There's a few of you in here. I know you have. You bumped it hard. I can tell by the way you act. Have you ever hit something? 
I'm, I'm sure Tommy in his line of work on times, well, Tommy can't say that, but he probably didn't, you know, either one of them, they probably didn't have on their hard hat like they were supposed to and bumped their head on something. That hurts. And that might be about the most tender spot on your body. You know, just to pop, the, pop your head up here. Man, that's tender. That's some tender meat right there. Can you imagine for a moment after being scourged, after being beaten to within, again, many people died from scourging, to have some joker decide, won't it be funny to go outside and get a crown of thorns and cram on his head? Put him in a purple robe and let's call him king. I believe that's what we tend to call an insult to injury. They called him king. They put a crown on his head. But you and I both know they had no intention of serving him as king. They had obviously no intention of, of worshiping him and honoring him as king. No, no plans whatsoever. The scourging shows compromise. The crown of thorns and the purple robe and the hell to the king of Jews is a close cousin to compromise in the that is hypocrisy. Hail king to the Jews with no intention whatsoever of serving him, honoring him, and treating him like a genuine king. There are people today all over our country who are sitting in worship services just like this, who are joining their worship service online, who are walking around saying, Hail, King of the Jews, we love Jesus, and living completely contrary to their words. See, they may have been saying, Hail, King to the Jews, but you and I know, we can read, there is nothing about their actions that was showing allegiance to the King of the Jews. Oh, they were saying it, but they weren't acting it. Isn't that hypocrisy? Isn't that the, the portrait? Isn't that the Webster definition of hypocrisy? Listen, what we learn from this text this morning is, I think, the importance of that our walk match our talk. It doesn't take much to say, Hail, King of the Jews. Even a big, burly, mean, rotten Roman soldier who just finished beating him within inches of his life with a leather whip filled with bone and metal can stand and say, Hail, King of the Jews! It doesn't take a whole lot to come into a church on Sunday morning, not in America. We don't have to walk past guards. We don't have to sneak. We don't have to hide. We come, uh, we, we come into God's house. We tell people we're going. We gather. We don't lock the doors. We don't hide. We don't meet in the basement. And when we leave, we'll tell people we've been there. 
We, we, we slap our love Jesus. Honk if you love Jesus. All our cars. We put fish, fish symbols on our cars. It's not hard to walk around saying, Hail, King of the Jews. But it is hard every day to live Hail, King to the Jew, King of the Jews. It is a challenge to go into the workplace. It is a challenge to go out into the marketplace and live what we sing about on Sunday morning. It, it's not difficult to throw a rope. Listen, these Roman soldiers did it without batting an eye. A beaten, bruised, almost dead Jesus. They had no problem whatsoever throwing a crown on his head and a robe on his back and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. But that was pure hypocrisy. They had no intention of serving Jesus. They had no intention of honoring and living for Jesus. See, they said, Hail, King of the Jews. But as we've all been told, actions speak louder than words. See, the challenge, the question for you and I this morning is not did we gather in the church and sing power in the blood. Not did we gather in the church and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Not did we uh, gather in the church and sing, give me that old-time religion. The challenge is not what we said. The challenge is what we're going to do when we walk out those two doors. That's the challenge. Even a big, burly, atheistic Roman soldier can say, Hail, King of the Jews. They scourged him. They scorned him. They smote him. Look at the last of verse 3. After they had beat him beyond recognition, crammed a crown of thorns on his head, ridiculed, laughed, and made fun of him. That wasn't good enough. They smote him, it says. Now I want to tell you something about smote. Let me tell you a little something about that word. Most of you in this room have never been smoked or smit or smitted. I don't know what the proper tenses of that word is because we don't even use it. We're not talking about a little petty slap. We're talking about a full-born, ball-up-fist slug to a man who had already been beaten almost to death, who was bloody, who had a crown of thorns crammed onto his head, most likely blood running down into his eyes, blinding him, so he couldn't even see the punch coming. So with whatever strength he had left, 
He could brace for the impact. In all likelihood from loss of blood, he could barely stand, was dizzy, lightheaded. And big, burly Roman soldiers with all their might are hitting him as hard as humanly possible. They scourged him, they scorned him, and they smote him. The scourging represents compromise. The scorn represents hypocrisy. And ultimately, the smiting represents rejection. See, you don't slug somebody in the face if they're your king. You don't punch somebody if you're hailing them as your king. You've all seen the movies. If they're your king, you feed them grapes and pomegranates and fan them with palm leaves. You don't slug them. We have compromise in the scourging. We have hypocrisy in the scorning. We have rejection and the smiting. When they smote him, the final straw of saying, we reject you. We reject your claims as king of the Jews. Now, it's not recorded here for us, but I am 99.9% positive that when the scourging and the scorning and the smiting were going on, that the religious, the Jews, the Sanhedrin were standing cheering it on. And it may as well have been them swinging the scourge. It may as well have been them cramming the crown of thorns on his head. It may as well been them balling up their fist and punching him. His beaten, bloody, abused body. And saying, we don't want you as our king. We don't want you as our king. They scourged him, they scorned him, and they smote him. <clears throat> and today, many people, many even in the church, do the exact same thing. every day except for maybe an hour or so on Sunday when we come in and we get all churchy and then we go out 
And we live completely opposite to His teachings. We reject Him. We scorn Him. We scourge Him. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Wherever you are, if you're joining us online, here in this room, see that description is painful to hear. I've stood in this pulpit this morning and I've watched some of you dab tears as you thought about what our Savior went through. But I again suggest to you that when He sits on His throne today and He sees those who claim to be Christians, Compromising and acting hypocritical, saying one thing on Sunday and doing a complete other on Monday and Tuesday, that he is just as hurt, just as broken as he was 2,000 years ago. So, to you Christians, to those of you who know him as Savior, Can I challenge you this morning? Can I call on you this morning to say, Lord, I don't want to be guilty of that. I want to commit myself to you. I want to follow you. I want to be obedient to you. I don't want to compromise with this rotten world. I don't want to be hypocritical. I want my walk and my talk to match. I want it to line up with your word. Not just when I'm in church, not just when I'm around other church people, but at all times. Would you join me in that prayer this morning? Where you are, online in your living room, here in this room, maybe you want to kneel where you're at, you're welcome to come here to the altar. But let me talk to you for a moment about this third group. This group that slugged him in the face. That smote him, the Bible says. They rejected him. Don't reject Jesus Christ today. He went through all that for you. He went through every bit of that so you could be saved. You don't know him personally today. No matter how old you are, young or old, maybe you've been in church all your life, Maybe you've never been in church before. Maybe you've never heard a gospel message. Maybe today you were just flipping across the internet and and you came across and, and for some reason you stopped. You don't even know why you stopped. Don't reject Jesus Christ. Don't reject what He did for you at Calvary. Don't reject salvation. He is the only way of salvation. This morning you're here in this room. Would you come? Let me show you from His Word how you can know Him personally. You're online. You're watching from anywhere around the world. Send us an email. Reach out. Contact us. Leave a comment. Find a local church. But don't reject Jesus this morning. You never know when you'll ever have another opportunity, another chance. 
to be saved. Christians, let's get rid of the compromise and the hypocrisy in our life. You don't know Him. Today is the day of salvation. Pray with me. Father, I thank You today for allowing us to be here. I thank You today for the privilege to preach Your Word. God, I thank You for sending Your Son who endured all this punishment, all this shame for me so that I could know you personally, so that I could spend eternity with you. God, help me not to be guilty of compromise, not to be guilty of hypocrisy, to be fully and totally committed to you. Help us to be that kind of people. But God, most of all, I pray this morning for anyone in this room, anyone online, who doesn't know you as Savior, who's never asked Christ in their heart, that today would be the day that they wouldn't reject Jesus again. Today would be the day they'd ask Him into their heart. Young or old, whoever they are, that they ask Christ into their heart. And we'll give you the glory for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name I pray.